get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. State of Combat Podcast, and it right now is in your ear hole getting you fired up for all things mixed martial arts. Yes, your boy BC back at it. Rashad Evans and I earlier this week recapped, of course, UFC 250, reacted to a wild news cycle, including just about every fighter you can think of calling out Dana White for more money. Well, your boy BC back for more this week. Today's episode, we're going to chat with a headliner of Saturday's UFC Fight Night card in Vegas, Jessica I, about her wild journey back into contention, her main event opportunity atop the flyweight division against Cynthia Calvillo this weekend, and we're going to bring back the Hall of Famer himself. You know that man. You love that man. Right, Rashad? Kate Rashad's nuts out your mouth. Then talk to me. Okay, I'm here to talk to you. Uh, Rashad will be here to talk to you to set the stage for Saturday's card. Uh, look, some people don't love Saturday's card. Uh, it's not awesome, but it, it could be pretty good. It's certainly better than what we got this week in the return of boxing, which is a uh, separate podcast. The State of Combat is offering you this week with Rafe, Rafe Bartholomew and myself. Be sure to check that out indeed. Uh, hope you're doing well, folks. Times, the times they are a changing, right? As, uh, as Uncle Bob would say. And uh, hang in there. Keep fighting. Stand up for what's right. Uh, take shelter when it's time. Uh, you know. It's, uh, I don't have the best advice. Protect yourself, okay? Mentally. Get, we can get through this. This time will, uh, will produce some good things, all right? All right? Change is always wild and crazy, but change is necessary. Because, in fact, folks, um, it's up to us as a people to start making some changes, okay? More than one of us need to start taking one for the team, Rather than ourselves. Andy, we need you to take one big thing for the team. Okay, all right. I didn't necessarily mean that, Andy, but thank you very much. Uh, All things considered, uh, this has been a wild week once again for MMA. We teased a little bit on the Tuesday podcast about some of the news that broke. We got a clearer picture of it later this week, and I just wanted to address that. UFC 251, July 11th, will kick off. Four fight island cards in two weeks for the UFC in Abu Dhabi, Yaz Island. So, uh, uh, there's a lot of good and bad in this decision. I've also secured an island. I've got an island. The infrastructure is being built right now. All right, I'm going to pause on talking about the card because the July 11th card is friggin' fantastic. But up front, Uncle Dana, this is expert-level bait-and-switch. I'm sorry, you got us believing Fight Island was this life-changing Bruce Lee machine guns, sharks with frickin' laser beams, octagon on the beach, tropical destination. I mean, I was thinking like, you know, Firefest or something, Jeffrey Epstein's island. I was thinking something wild. And the the marketing opportunity that UFC took advantage of was great. If, in fact, you can go on the UFC store right now. They're they're 
incredibly overpriced. But the Fight Island merch right now is fantastic. The shirts, the uh, the hats, uh, all that stuff. It's great. This ain't no island. Yaz Island is an island like Manhattan is an island. So at the end of the day, does it matter? Well, no, I wasn't going to Fight Island anyway. And I kind of need Dana White and company to be back and putting on big fights. So, Dana, thank you for that, right? Come get me. I've had a great run, right? If the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's do it. Bring it. I'm ready, Corona. We don't talk like that. We don't talk like that. But uh, this ain't the fight island that you cryptically teased, that you stretched out, that you got us thinking, wow, this man's crazy. This is like Dr. Evil stuff. Uh, No, it's not. They've been to Yaz Island before. If you're not familiar, it's a... uh, it's in Abu Dhabi. It is on the water, but it's, you know, it's only an island because there's a couple feet of water separating it from the mainland. And, you know, it's, it's a it's an entertainment area. There's theme parks. There's high level shopping. I think there's a racetrack. It's the same spot of that UFC card in 2010 with Anderson Silva and uh, Demian Maya. Remember, it was uh, BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar in the co-main. We've been here before. I don't know if... The original idea for Fight Island was something more dramatic, right? There was some rumors in off the top, like because of the Endeavor connections. Could it be some island that Eddie Murphy owns and we we parachute in an octagon and all that? I mean, look, from the from the beginning, I'm going to be really honest with you. The idea of Fight Island was mysterious and fun, but it was also a bit reckless. It was sort of like... Uh, we'll do this if we have to. If you're not going to open the doors to Nevada and let us do it at the apex where we want to, we'll just do it ourselves. Now, I get that the reason for Fight Island is because international fighters can't fly in. So I do, once again, stand and commend Dana White for, I mean, at, at all costs, fighting to keep this going. Because if you cover them financially, you get the reason why. But, you know, not ne- never going to lie to you. My job's dependent, you know, in a lot of ways on on Dana being so bold. So I love that. But uh, I don't know if it was originally an island. And then they were like, look, we got to come up with something. And then they call up their friends in Abu Dhabi who used to have a, a, you know, an ownership share in the company. And maybe they offered some crazy site fee. And I mean, look, that's probably how these four cards are happening and why UFC 211, which I'll get to in a second, is so loaded because... I mean, we, we talk so much about financials, about you're not going to see Conor McGregor anyway because there's no live gate. And a lot of that is true. But you know what takes place of a live gate? A large international site fee, which is why Bob Arum and Manny Pacquiao used to go to Macau all the time, which is why uh, Eddie Hearn brought Anthony Joshua to Saudi Arabia, which is why, you know, Habib and company went to uh, the the UAE late last year for the Dustin Poirier fight. So in some ways, this is Dana being uber smart once again and and being a a survivalist and going where the money is. So I just, you know, it's just a little bit of a bait and switch. Well, let's just get that out of the way. It is what it is. This ain't no fight island fight peninsula fight. We've been here before, but it ain't fight island. So uh, whatever. I mean, what did I expect? The Easter Island, they're going to wrestle in front of those large, statues that no one knows who created uh i don't know put it on guam the falkland islands i don't know there was this level of like this is so crazy the quarantine life is nuts which it is but 
Uncle Dana's going to get us there no matter what. Now, he still is, but there was this, like, romanticism of, like, the pirate Uncle Dana is going to step up and fight Corona, and and he's going to, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying. Maybe I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, then the Corona's going to get me, oh, all right? God, it is what it is. That. Stop looking into a mirror and saying that. So that's where the criticism stops for me, okay? I didn't buy a Fight Island shirt. But if I did, I want sharks with freaking laser beams, all right? But now we praise them because 211, like we teased on the Tuesday pod after Ariel Hawani of ESPN had, had reported that these fights could be in contention, this main card is badass. This is a blockbuster event. Uh, here we go. Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns is your main event for the welterweight title. The fight we wanted at 170 if we couldn't get Jorge Masvidal. And now some full disclosure on Ariel's reporting. Uh, last minute, apparently, UFC did come back to Masvidal with a final offer of the same money that they offered him for the Nate Diaz fight last year. Remember, Masvidal had come out and said they offered him half that for an Usman fight, and he turned it down. Well, reportedly, they offered him the full amount and he still turned him down, which could be, you know, him taking a stance, hard feelings, hit leverage. It could be a lot of things, but he didn't take the fight. But in some ways, man, I mean, I know it's not as uh, attractive to sell to casuals, but Gilbert Burns, Kamaru Usman is a killer fight. Oh, my God. You know, you have to believe there's potential for the, the ground games to cancel each other out. And we just get a vicious slugfest. I mean, they're, this, they're teammates. There's a lot I love here. Your co-main event is Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky, too. Give me that. Love it. Uh, I think it's really interesting involving Max's uh, like reputation and legend entering this fight. And what I mean is we gave him a pass for losing to Poirier. He moved up for an interim title. He dared to be great, all that. But he, that run he had been on featherweight it was legendary. I mean, you know, he stopped Jose Aldo twice. He was knocking dudes off left and right. He was about to kind of be crowned as, like, the next potential, you know, upper room royalty. And it's not that he won't get there because of one decision loss. But when you lose twice to the same man, you're often never the same. It is what it is, right? BJ Penn lost twice to uh, Frankie Edgar. Really didn't do anything after that. Uh you could argue even Jose Aldo losing twice to Max. You know, hasn't, I mean, he's got a chance to bounce back here against Piotr Jan coming up, but, uh, you know, not the same. Um, this is interesting, kind of not a crossroads, but a where are you at fight for Max? If he comes back and wins this, then, you know, he's, re he's right back there. If he doesn't, what does he do? It's interesting. There's, there's, you know, I want to see the first fight was so mental. Alexander Volkanovsky was the chess master. How can Max adjust now? Can't wait. And then, of course, I tease that. That Peter, Peyote, 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 Jan fight against Jose Aldo. Uh, I don't think it's the right move, but boy, is it going to bang. And you love the idea. Whether I, I, I love the idea. I'm not going to speak for you. All right. I speak for myself only. I love the idea of Aldo. Whose you know legend doesn't even by me doesn't always get the full respect it deserves. Getting a chance to be a two division champion now, did he earn it coming off a loss to Marish and a loss before that to Volkanov? Uh, probably not. Probably not. No, no. But uh, there's no rules anymore, guys. I don't know if you've been around lately. There's no rules. All right, say it, Aljo. You better win your fight because I'm coming on your ass, babe. Okay, maybe don't say that. That was a doozy. First head kick, Rashad lands in the UFC, and what a doozy it was. 
you. Thank you. We'll hear from Rashad later. Uh, to round out that UFC 251 fight card on July 11th from uh, Abu Dhabi. How about this? How about Rosanama Yunus, Jessica Andrade, too? Are you kidding me? This could be a main event, co-main event anywhere. And and we're going to throw on Paige Van Zandt in a hella tough fight against Amanda Hebus. Uh, yes, give me all of that, please. Rebus, Hebus, fresh off the win over Mackenzie Dern. This is a great card. They haven't announced the fights that will be on those three subsequent cards over the next two weeks after this, but... If it's anything like Jacksonville, you know, they'll be a step down, of course, from the big pay-per-view, but they'll still be solid. Look, we, we're we going to talk about it in this show about how look, of, since they've come back, the worst car, the worst thing UFC presented is this Saturday's card, to be honest with you. And I actually don't hate it. <laughs> I like Jessica I, Cynthia Calvillo. Do I like it a five-round main event? Most likely no, but I like that fight. It matters in the title contention. And you got some people, touchy-feely, Marvin Vittori on the undercard that I want to see. If this is the worst they are going to offer during this quarantine, I'll take it. Because boxing just came back and announced future fights. And, you know, it's a different financial landscape. There's different rules. You got a lot of cooks in that kitchen. It's not one promoter, one brand. But it sucks. No one's fighting anybody. Okay? Uh, All of us do have. A debt that we owe Dana White for, for, I mean, look, there's necessity and why he pushed so hard to come back. But they figured out a way to do it. They didn't lay off any employees. And those of us lucky enough not to get laid off in our media jobs in some ways are because the UFC is the only game in town and it's delivering. So, uh, you know, I, I can do some Fight Island bitching, which I just did. I just did. But, you know, Dana does right or wrong. And sometimes wrong, right? We can debate the whole fighter pay issue. And shout out, shout out to the guy on first take. Was it uh, Foxworth? The guy was who was replacing Stephen A. Smith, the XFNFL player who came at Dana. I know Dan Lebitard did the week before on that uh, radio interview. But people starting to come at Dana more and not letting him, you know, get away with the knee-jerk response the aggressive knee-jerk response in which he often doesn't address the actual issue of fighter pay. But that is the fighters fight. Uh, you know, the media, we can lend a voice and support it, but that's the fighters fight as a journalist and fan. We're getting fights. <laughs> We've historically always gotten the fights and that's how UFC works. Uh, I, I love a middle ground. I hope there will be a middle ground in which the fighters get paid correctly and we still get the fights. UFC long-term has a fight on its hands, but in the short term, um, we got we got some great fights, and I'm thankful for that. You know, we also have August. I think it's August 15th. We got Stipe DSA 3. We're going to get Rashad Evans' opinion later in the show about this, but man, I love this fight. This is going to be a blockbuster summer. We're under quarantine rules. Fans aren't going to travel. Most media probably won't travel, although there is some crazy John Morgan fellow types who will just travel anywhere under any circumstance. Shout out to those warriors. But uh, that's a great, great fight. It's the biggest fight in heavyweight history, UFC heavyweight history. You know, it's not bigger than Fedor Crow uh, Cop in Pride, but it's it's so massive. The winner is the champion of each other, the heavyweight champion, and the winner also is the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. And will... D say if he wins, retire or 
you know, be lured into some kind of John Jones trilogy? You know, will Stipe retire as Ariel Hawani on SportsCenter sort of teased the idea it's not impossible win or lose that Stipe retires? Um, the first two fights banged. I don't understand why most fans aren't, like, doing backflips for this fight. I love everything about this fight. Winner probably gets Ngannou. I mean, I love everything about this fight. So thank you. Fired up for that. Fired up for a lot of the fights that have been announced. You know, give me Aldana Holm. I'm into that. Okay, give me Mickey Gall, Mike Perry. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, there it is. I don't know. I'm drinking the juice. I'm pouring it all over me. I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to take a quick pause for the cause in a word from our friends and sponsors. But on the other side, Evil Eye is in the building. Uh, Jessica I is going to stop by. And I want to encourage you this. If you don't know a ton about Jessica I, she has an incredible backstory. Uh, we tease at it. We poke and tease at it in this interview coming up, but we don't go real deep. There isn't uh, a feature story on ESPN.com on the MMA page that originally was written ahead of Jessica I's title shot against Valentina Shevchenko about, I mean, really in-depth about everything she's endured in her personal life, uh, a very up-and-down relationship with her father. There's been abuse. There's been a lot of craziness, and they brought that story back, and it tells you a lot as a foundation about who Jessica is. She's a fighter. Dana's always loved her because she's a fighter, and you look back, you know, she lost four in a row at Bantamweight, was, was, had already gotten the order that she was cut. She texted Dana herself, and, you know, he gave her one more chance, and it started that run and the move to flyweight and she's won four or five and the loss yes violent head kick title loss to Shevchenko but uh you know I'll, I'll give her a pass from the idea that she was a heavy underdog no matter what but she says there was a, a back injury that really really limited her in that fight and she came back with a win she's got a chance Saturday for a very big opportunity at a win against Cynthia Calvillo who may or may not end up being a big player in this division and uh, Jessica I is a survivor, and I have a lot of respect for her. She's she's a funny interview, but she's intense. And um, she's coming up next. It's Evil Eye time. Enjoy. Jessica Evil Eye, are you there? Are you with me? <laughs> I am with you. I am here. All right. Well, Saturday night, your name is in the damn marquee, okay? It's Jessica Eyes Night. How fired up does that get you? It's pretty freaking awesome. It's kind of crazy to, like, it's surreal to me. I probably won't even realize that it's really a main event fight until I'm walking out. So, pretty awesome. History is definitely being made. We got two female main events back-to-back. I think that's pretty gnarly. Absolutely. And this is a really cool fight on paper in which, you know, to be honest, I think I side with a lot of people. I'm not really sure which direction it's going to go. Uh, I, I know you believe in yourself, but what do you think about Cynthia Calvillo in your division here at Flyweight? I mean, it's again, she's she's great. She's you know, she's obviously a tough chick. But, um, you know, there, there's no, there's nothing that compares to Jessica I and my abilities. I don't really care what other people think. I don't really care what other people think they know or what they want to bet against. I just know what happens in those cage and I know how good I really am and I'm going to showcase it. And she's a tailor-made opponent for me. Um, considering she's a scrapper, I like to scrap, but, um, I'm just the more, um, 
I feel like I'm just the, the more technical and the more well-rounded fighter. And I'm a vet, man. 13 plus years in this sport goes a long way. I'm 10 years as a professional. Like sometimes you got to put the big sister gloves on and, and show girls what's up. Yeah, I like that. I like that style. Yeah, getting me fired up over here. Uh, three rounds to five rounds now in a main event. How might that make this fight any different than if you had fought uh, Cynthia in a co-main? Um, I mean, I, I was already preparing for a tough grappling match um, on June 21st before this fight was even even offered to me. So um, I'm used to volume rounds. Um, and look, five rounds is better than three rounds. If I can kick your ass for five rounds more than I can three, then I, I enjoy it. I do this sport because I, I enjoy it, not because I want to hurry up and get in as fast as I can, you know, or in and out as fast as I can. So wherever the fight goes and however long it takes, I'm ready to be the better fighter in all ways. Now, you know, you've had, you had such a, a career that's had so many sort of turns, twists, themes to it. As we stand now, having won four out of your last five, what's at stake for Jessica I in this fight? Um, I think that, like, again, you know, we're, we're, we're getting to see a much better fighter at the correct division and, and weight class that I'm supposed to be at. So I think that, again, I, I finally am getting my feet on the ground. I'm finally feeling settled in Las Vegas. I'm developed myself back in this weight class and you know, like I, I'm going to take things by the horns and just show why I'm, I'm the best and why I believe in myself so much. Belief isn't, isn't, isn't a disguise for insecurity. Belief is a real belief that you believe in what you're capable of doing. And I truly believe in myself and I believe in myself at flyweight when I'm healthy and happy. There's no girl in this world that will step in front of me in an octagon that can beat me. Uh, you always hear them say that, you know, everything is 90% mental. And, you know, the more I've grown in life and, and in career, I can certainly relate to that. When, when, as a professional, was the point where you think you really figured that out? That as long as you do exactly what you said, believe in yourself with no doubt that you could be as, as great as you want to be? Um, You know, so sorry, say that again. You know, was there a turning point in terms of really believing in yourself in the UFC as a professional where things sort of changed for you? I have always believed in myself since day one. And I made this journey in MMA. It's always been about believing in myself, regardless of what anybody else says. But have I seen that my self-belief has grown for myself over my skill set changing? Yeah. So, I mean, that's forever growing. We're always changing. We're always becoming better. We're always evolving. So, I mean, of course, with age, you know, become you, you become better and more fine-tuned. So, yeah, I feel like I'm a polished and fine-tuned woman. I, I really do believe that. When you look back at who you were before 2018 in the UFC and you, you suffered the kind of losing streak that some people don't come back from, and then you see who you are now, is it as easy to just say it was a switch of weight classes or was there a, a larger trans, you know, transition that happened to you internally? There were so many things, you know, the difference of being 28 to 33, you know, over the past five years of my life. And even that, that trenches over the last three years, you know, from 30 to 33, I'm different. So I, I can't pinpoint it all, but I just know that I make mistakes in my, my personal life and in my professional life. But every time I make that mistake, I don't make it twice and I learn from it. So 
every mistake makes me a little bit better. You know, I've heard you tell me in the past that when you fought Valentina Shevchenko for the title, you know, you, you couldn't pass up the opportunity. It's the biggest fight of your life, but you did have a compromised back injury in that fight. How much does that eat at the competitor in you that that may have been, you know, up to now the biggest close-up you had, but you weren't able to put the best version of yourself forward? You know what? All that does is, is keep the, the level of standard, what others um, will expect of me, low, but that my expectation for myself, very high, which is all that matters, right? Nobody's going to believe in me no matter what I do. You know, I'm the underdog going into this fight, and everybody's always going to just put me in up to the hard road, and I, and I accept it. So that being said, I've, I've taken control of my longtime back injury. I have gotten elbow surgery to fix my jab and I'm in a better position now. So I, I can't, I can't help who I was last year. I can only help who I'm going to be tomorrow. Uh, this is a weird time in all of our lives here, Jessica. I, uh, you know, you can pick a, an a epidemic in 2020 that can hold any of us back. How different was this training camp given the quarantine and everything else compared to any other? You know what's crazy is like, and I keep saying it like, and and I it's so unfortunate that quarantine happened at the expense of many lives and as many other people. But the quarantine for me was really great. You know, within the first ten days of um, the PI closing and the gyms closing on the March fifteenth, I had mats, weights, everything delivered to my gym that I I was able to function properly, and thankfully. Uh, Francis Naganyu uh, was getting ready for a fight that I was still able to meet up with Eric. I live with my Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach and my brother who are cornering with me and in a big part of my training life that to be honest, like it's, it's been like a training camp. I feel like I've been in a nine plus week training camp because I know what my vices are in life, you know, and, and working out is a vice that I need that keeps me happy, you know, happy emotionally, ha happy, you know, with my physical, you know, being, you know, with like how I'm in shape and, and everything that I created a system that nobody needed to create for me or any facility that, you know, no one had to facilitate anything for me. I did it all on my own because I wanted to, because I wanted to keep myself on point. Um, and then I took a submission underground match that's happening the week after the fight. So I was already in preparation for competition and, Anytime I am in preparation for competition, I'm focused. And again, during this quarantine time, it's allowed me to focus 100%. I walk out to my garage where my gym is at and it, it's my gym, you know? So I created schedule times for myself throughout the entire quarantine. I only gave myself breaks when I worked hard to do it. So I feel like I've been in training camp. That's uh, I mean, fighters kind of are the original quarantiners, so I guess it does make a, a natural transition for you there. Uh, do you point to any singular advice or slogan or motto that rings true in your head, as, you know, as you're getting through a tough day of training? Is there any voice in your head, something that motivates you that you're constantly pulling back from? Me. Me. I'm my biggest motivation. I'm my biggest motivation. So when... I'm always in my head now saying nice things to myself and being like, you want this. This is for you. You wanted this life. You wanted the interviews. You wanted the cameras. You wanted the, the criticism. You wanted this. So I'm, I'm my biggest supporter. And, and in that, I know while I, I believe in myself 
as well as put that work in, it's not only just belief, but it's, it's true hard work, but then I can inspire others to, to do the same for themselves. You know, if we're not our best friend and our, and our biggest supporter, how can we expect other people to? So on a hard day, I, I, I look into myself and, and I pick myself up and I carry myself into the next hard five minutes or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there something that you can pinpoint that's the best thing and the worst thing about being a UFC fighter? Or is there, is there uh, anything that eats at you or, 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 or is, makes you the happiest? What do you love about this job? It's forever growing. Um, for me, um, most of all, I, I love the way I feel and my, my corner feels after a win. That's always what I'm chasing. I, I love that euphoric feeling of accomplishment that I get. I'm, I'm an addict for it and I want it. And I, I'll, I'll train my butt off. I'll do everything right just to make sure I can taste a little bit of it because it's only for one night, you know, Sunday comes after the fight and it's on to the next thing, you know, and it's on to the next fight week and the fights move on to the next person they want to promote. So I eat up that, that moment. Do you feel like this division is wide open after Valentina, that it's the champ and a bunch of uh, girls who, you know, any fight could put you at the top of the rankings? I mean, is, is are you always one fight, one great performance away from a title shot in some ways in this division? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know how you want me to answer that question. I don't know that I can because I really don't know. I'm focused on Cynthia. Yeah, the ultimate goal is always to be a champ. Everyone loves loves the champ, you know, and, and why wouldn't I want that? But, you know, ultimately right now it's fight by fight, moment by moment. And, you know, they gave me Viviani. I did what I did with that. I won that fight. And this time I'll go in here and I'll win my fight and I'll keep building my case. And that's, you know, all I can do right now. Yeah. Um. Have you and Cynthia ever had uh, uh, conversations, trash talk, beef, training, and like, any relationship with her before this? Or, or you know, what's the, the the mental status coming in? I mean, are you are you looking at the picture like Rocky over the uh, over the dresser in your room every day, saying I'm going to get her? I don't need to do that. I've lived in enough turmoil in my life. I've had enough tragedy. I've had enough BS. The best way for me is to. You know, again, just go out there and, and I, I ignore everybody. It's really hard to get through my skin anymore. A lot, too much of my life has happened that fighting is not the hardest thing I've done and probably it's not the hardest thing I'm going to do. It's the hard thing I choose to do, which is a, is a much different mindset to have. So, like that being said, Cynthia um, was at the PI one day and, um, you know, it's hard to find other girls in this sport. It's hard to find other people, not even just in this sport, but in general, right? Like, it's hard to find good people that have good intentions um, for you um, and also for themselves. So I ran into her and actually had like been like, Hey girl, why don't we train sometimes? You're, you're a flyweight, you know, like, or I'm sorry, I'm a flyweight. You're um, a strawweight. Let's, let's try to create a relationship. I'm on the West coast. You're on the West coast. Let's try. And um, we exchanged phone numbers. I haven't really talked when we got into quarantine. Um, I was really promoting my like, we, I call it the IPI. So the, the Jessica IPI, um, it seemed to actually DM me and was like, Hey girl, that is sweet as crap. That is a great training session, like training setup. And I was like, yeah, you're ever in Vegas and you want to get some work and come, come by. Um, you know, and then 
here we are. All right, all right. <laughs> We're getting working in Vegas. <laughs> no, no beef necessary. Okay, go out there and take care of business. Um, finally on the fight itself, uh, she's you know sort of a natural straw weight coming up now to flyweight. You've had a long run at bantamweight. Finally, get the division that's right for you. Will this make you uh, have an inherent advantage here as the bigger fighter? I would assume so. I mean. I'm walking around. I, I'm I walk around 140 plus, and that's and that's with dieting, you know, and that's and that's with that, you know what I mean. So like, you know, I, I worked very very close with the PI as well as Savannah Ige, um, Dan Ige's, um, a teammate of mine's uh, wife, and let's just say I, I'm I'm gonna look like a specimen, and I can't wait. I can't wait for the accusations. I can't wait for people to specify and be like. Oh, she did this. I'll tell you what I did do. I worked hard this entire quarantine. I ate the food. I relaxed and drank the booze when I wanted to. I I, I literally stayed home and focused 100% on my building myself to be better. That I really don't think she remembers how big I really am and how strong I am. But I will prove it. I will. I will prove it. Uh, she won't want these hands. She won't want to be anywhere she in that octagon with me. And I'll show why I'm dangerous. I will. I will do it. I love it. I love it. In closing here, uh, there's that idea that this is still the only game in town. Dana's worked so hard to get UFC back. Uh, you know, boxing just started, but team sports aren't there. I mean, you may get more eyes on Jessica I, pardon the pun, than ever before. Uh, do you feel not pressure to, 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 you know, try to win spectacular, but, but a, a positive, you know, motivation to, to this could be a breakout performance for you? I I I hope so. It would be great if people keep those eyes on me. But regardless, I don't. It's me and Cynthia, team versus team. That you know, I hope people take a look. Maybe they'll see something they really like and and can learn something. But if they don't, so be it. You know, I think everybody's giving like saying stuff about the card. I think this is going to be one of the best cards, just like Dana has been doing. All of the UFC fights that cards have been on, they have all been bangers and all been great. No matter if it was a three-rounder, a one-minute. So either stay tuned or miss out. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Jessica, for the time. Big fan of the evil eye. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you so much. All right, let me bring back the Hall of Famer, Sugar Rashad Evans. We broke down and recapped UFC 250 earlier this week. But Rashad, let's set the stage for Saturday's UFC Fight Night card from the Apex Jessica I versus Calvillo in the main event. That is Cynthia Calvillo. Um, Rashad, I like this fight. But a lot of people, and I do like this fight. I like both fighters. I like the, what it means for this division at women's flyweight. But a lot of people be dropping bombs on this card. A lot of people be saying maybe, just maybe this is the worst card in UFC history. What do you say about this? Oh, man. I don't, I'm, it's not – I mean, listen, it, it, they put a card together. And listen, you, it's, hard, it's hard to say, like, what a fight – what a card is going to be like just because of some of the names on it. Sometimes them, them be the best cards. They are the best cards sometimes, them, them unknown cards. You know what I'm saying? But with that said, I think, you know – Cynthia is somebody we definitely should be watching. She's she's 
was dominant at 115. Now she's moving up to 125. And uh, let's see if she can continue that dominance at, at 125. Making weight at 115 was the biggest hindrance. If not, I see her fighting a Weili John and being at the top of the weight class. But since she can't consistently make the weight, she's at 125, which would be better for her. And, and you got to look at, you know, um, uh, Gilbert Burns moved up from 170. Now, I mean, 155. Now he's at 170. Now he's t- now he's potentially in line to fight for a title. So that could be the same thing for Cynthia if she comes in at 125 and is hitting on the same cylinder she did at 115. Now look, this is an in between. You, you nailed it right there in terms of the importance of this fight. It's an in between fight card, it, fight night card. It's not. I mean, look, this is this ain't a this ain't a like a a main event that you're like appointment viewing i get that right here's where i'm going to give ufc a pass Rashad. boxing is back this week and i've heard some rumors of the matchups we could be seeing the next couple months in boxing spoiler alert they all blow they're awful rashad boxing's a different sport it's more segregated in terms of promotions but like they're not good matchups they're not great fight it sucks hard ufc not only came back to get our jobs back on the road they hit us right between the legs with UFC 249, which was loaded as ish. They came back with two more cards in the next seven days that were pretty badass. They just gave us 250. That was awesome. I'll take an in-between fight night card in which, like, I kind of like the main event. I got to see Marvin Vittori back. I love me some touchy-feely. I don't think it's the worst card ever. I mean, I don't have, like, a comparison to sub in. I remember thinking, though, do you remember this card? It was December 9th, 2016, Albany, New York, a fight night card that I remember specifically dropping a deuce on, Rashad, that had the main event of Derek Lewis going five rounds with Shamil Abdurakimov. Now, in in hindsight, Francis Ngannou was in the co-main. Right. um, But you know what? That fight card blows. Go back and look it up. That might, that might be worse than this. I, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. It's, but it's in the conversation. All I'm saying is UFC has the right to give us this card right now. There's a reason why Brian Boom Kelleher is fighting every week right now. There's not a lot of guys available, okay? Well, I mean, and here, and here, here it is, too. Uh, not for nothing. I mean, you need to have cards like these to make the cards that are big, big. You know what I'm saying? If all the cards are consistently the same, then there's no there's no fluctuation on the intensity, and it doesn't get anybody excited you know what i'm saying so when there's a card like this you be like okay there's fights on and then out of this card i guarantee there's going to be some gems because that's what happens when there's these kind of fight cards and these fighters know that everybody's looking at looking past this card they all go out there and fight with that mindset like oh yeah no one wants to watch us okay and you start seeing knockout after knockout and all these great fights and these fighters fighting bigger than themselves because they're fighting for the respect you know what I'm saying? So I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the better cards. Well, this women's flyweight main event, uh, we know how shallow this division is that, you know, it's, it's Valentina Shevchenko and everyone else. Yes. There's Joanne Calderwood who probably maybe gets the next title shot. Yes. Caitlin Chukagian bounced back nicely from her loss by destroying Valentina's older sister. Uh, Jessica, I is interesting here, Rashad. Okay. All right. She's won. Four out of her last five. She will tell you, as she just did on this show, that she took that Valentina fight because it was opportunity, but her back was effed up. And on top of that, she did come to win. She came out there to fight. She got sent to hell. It happened. I saw it. It was spectacular. But she came to win. She believes when she's healthy, 
it would be a different story. I'm not going to go as far as saying I agree with that. But I'll give a fighter a pass if they say, I just want to be healthy. We saw her bounce back and beat Vivian Arujo back in December, get the decision over three rounds. Yes, I missed weight. It wasn't spectacular, but it was solid. If she gets by Cynthia Calvillo, she is right back in the mix in terms of, of getting another chance. It just is what it is. No, it is. And, you know, to be able to come back after being sent to hell, as you say, with a head kick like that, it takes a lot. After I got knocked out by Machida and I had to compete against Rampage or compete against um, Tiago Tiago Silva in the same arena, the same uh, time as I got knocked out against Machida, it, it brought back memories. I remember in that fight, I'm just thinking like, man, I just got to avoid that one shot, one shot. And I'm doing good. I'm busting Tiago up, just having my way. And then in the third round, I get a little lazy and cl- crack. He clips me. And next thing you know, I'm doing a Bojangles on my feet. I can't stand up. I'm falling. I'm stumbling like a little baby deer. And I'm just thinking one thing, not today. Not today. Please, not today. But I immediately went back to when I was getting knocked out against uh, Machida and I was talking and running my mouth saying, you're not going to knock me out right before I got knocked out. <laughs> Rashad, was there any part of you, and we'll get into this on future episodes of Storytime with Rashad, but was there any part of you when Shogun knocked out Machida that was like, yeah, I told you so? No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, make, it makes you feel better. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, all right, cool. It's just not me that got that Great. got put to sleep. <laughs> you ever read Joe Rogan about that comment? True or false? What is it? What, what, what do you that, say? That famous Joe Rogan call of "Welcome to the Machida era." After he finished you, did you ever get get up in in Joe's ear and be like? That was a short era, Joe. All right. Keep <laughs> that one to yourself. All right. Oh man, no, I should have. No, I should. I should. You know, I should. Uh, that you know, I haven't really watched that fight too many times. I, I've seen the highlights millions of times, and I've seen me sleeping millions of times, but I, I still have a hard time just watching that fight. <laughs> well, the record show that I'm still not against you rematching Machida and Bellator. All right, hey, I'm I'm with it. I'm with it. If they come with that rematch, I'm with it. I'll dust off the old boxing gloves, yep. put on the wrestling shoes, That's and right. I'll be there. Hey, Leoto, I love you, brother, but you're going to skip to this man's loo. Skip to my loo. All right, all right, all right. All right, back to Jessica I. Um, Rashad, Cynthia Calvillo came in with a, with a lot of fanfare in her initial UFC run. She was making noise, but then she had problems missing weight for a while. Then she had the loss into Carla Esparza, in which she also tested positive for metabolites and got, got nipped. She is coming off, though, a, a tough outing against Marina Rodriguez, who, who looks like she could be potential, uh, you know, future star as well. It was a majority draw, but she's still 8-1-1. One, and one. This is Calvillo, who, you know, maybe she can't make straw weight anymore, but she's a skilled fighter. Will the move up in weight affect the version of her that you will see moving forward? I think she should, be, she should be a stronger version, you know, and if she done it right as far as like lifting weights and, and really got on a good nutrition level and not just, you know, eating some food to get bigger, you know, not the fatty foods to get bigger, but just like real uh, good weightlifting, uh, she can be dominant because with a, a good wrestling base like she has and, and she allowed herself to get big, she can transfer all that over in, in a division that 
really lacks the kind of grappling dominance that she's able to bring to a division. So she could actually do some big things at 125, and it can be like a situation, as we see with a Gilbert Burns, you know, that moved from 155 to 170, and now he's doing a world of better. Cutting weight is great, but at the same time, it's overrated, especially when your body is naturally telling you that you need to fight at a heavy weight class, and you can't perform if you're not completely fueled up. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, do you find it interesting at all? Calvillo's the more skilled fighter against her and I. I I'm not going to – That is, it is what it is. Calvillo – I mean, when she won five fights in 2017, she showed us a lot. That's a good-ass fighter with, a, with, a, with, a, with some dog in her. But Vegas likes Jessica I just a bit. Why, Rashad? Why is I the favorite coming in here? I think it's because of her experience, you know, and, and who she's been in the cage with. You know, I've been along for a long time and, you know, she, she's a gamer. That's one thing you can always say about I. She, she's extremely game and she kind of has that um, aggressive mindset. You know, you don't see a lot of women fighters with, that, is, that is as aggressive as, as Jessica I is. You know, she's one of the, the more aggressive type of, of women fighters. And um, that, that aggressiveness it has carried her you know, and it's worked out well for her in her career. So I can see her getting the edge off of that. But, um, and, and also she, she's, a, she's the bigger fighter. She's the bigger fighter as well too. So I, I can see her getting the edge when it comes to that. But there's just something about this young Cynthia. If she's focusing, now that she's over at AKA, she's training with the best team when it comes to implementing her style of fighting. I think that sky's the limit if she's really grabbed the hold of what they can teach her at AKA. Well, what's interesting, because this is a main event, which, which a lot of people didn't like, uh, it's going to be five rounds, not three. I think that could add some really interesting wrinkles to this fight. It's going to come down to gas tanks, I would have to assume, because I, you know they're both durable. They're both tough. I don't necessarily see a finish here. If this goes five, and if Calvillo is, is better at this weight class because she's more comfortable and she's more skilled and she can stay, you know, off her back. I mean, maybe she's even the better wrestler. Um, I kind of feel like this is set up for her to win a decision here, and it'd be a, it'd be a big win. It'd be a, it'd be a statement win, and it would be an interesting potential title challenger if she can start making noise in this division. Yeah, absolutely. I think the three-round fight would definitely give me the, the edge to Amanda I, just because of the fact that it may take uh, Cynthia a little bit longer to get into her game and to be able to impose that game on a very experienced Jessica I. But with a longer fight, it gives Cynthia more chance to just kind of, you know, wait and be patient a little bit more and be uh, be more opportunistic when it comes to her grappling exchanges and being able to wear her sub, wear uh, Jessica I out from an opportunistic grappling uh, standpoint instead of trying to force the wrestling. We are going to see an interesting co-main, one that was scheduled a couple weeks back when UFC came back to Jacksonville. Carl Roberson moving down from light heavyweight to middleweight against Marvin Vittori. The interesting thing here is that Roberson missed weight last time, wasn't able to continue and go forward. Vittori almost killed him in the hotel lobby, Rashad. I mean, they, he was, I, it, it was on. It was, I mean, the, we, we're not here to fight. This is, this is not for, for, for tournament. This is not for points, Daniel-san. That was for real. Uh, we're going to finally see this. Now, we know Vittori is this, like, kind of sleepy guy, meaning, you know, he pushed Israel Adesanya to the limit. He's been off with fights falling apart and a lot of bad luck, including the most recent one. He's, he could be fueled to make a statement here, Rashad. He definitely can be, and he's definitely uh, got the talent, too. 
And, um, you know, sometimes with a guy like this, all you really need to do is just make him a little bit mad to give him that extra edge and looks at this Robert Robertson already, already done. So, so, uh, he, he's going to have a fight on his hands for the most part. And, um, you know, like like you said, they they've been going back and forth for a while. And Carl, I know Carl personally. I trained with him in New Jersey for a while uh, when I trained with Mark Henry. He's a very talented guy, uh, extremely good with his left hand. Got amazing left high kick that can sep- in, separate anybody from consciousness. And um, so, but but he's gonna he's gonna have to you know use a bit of his game that he used last time. Last time he was out, you know, he he was uh getting caught, you know, he, he was getting actually beat. And then he went to his wrestling and uh, started, he found some success with that and ended with a ground and pound. But, you know, that was him coming outside of that, that box that he's normally in. Normally he likes to stand up and fight, but he, he got into his grappling in that fight. And with this fight, he's going to have to pick up where he left off there and not so solely be looking to end this fight standing up, make it a mixed martial arts fight all the way from start to beginning. Uh, I like this this random bantamweight fight we're getting as well. Ray Borg fought after moving up to 135 in May, lost that split decision to Ricky Simone, in which, you know, he clearly lost in my eyes, but, but Borg was game even though he was the smaller man. Now he's facing a guy on a three-fight win streak, Marab Vashili, Dirk Nowitzki. Rashad, I butchered the man's name. Do you know much about Marab what what kind of idea? What are we going to see here? What about this Georgian? I don't I don't know much about him. I, I watched a little bit about him, but I know I know um, you know uh, you know that of course of course he's really tough, but you know it's it's the it's the unknown about him that that's going to be the hardest thing. Whenever you got to go in against a guy who's really not known too much, and and um, you know he he's got that Georgian background, and you know those guys, you know they they understand the grappling and their masters of sports and all those guys. They they're they're masters at, at uh, some kind of martial arts, so they're they're all good when in those grappling combinations and they're sneaky good in their striking. So you know he's going to be going against a a well-rounded fighter, and um, you know not with not a lot of information. Look up, you know these are the guys that are most dangerous. Yeah, he's been under the radar since debuting in UFC a few years back. He got submitted by Ricky Simone. He has won three in a row, one of them against Let Me Bang, Casey Kenny. Uh, he also beat Brad Katona, but uh, this is a, a much higher profile bout. And anytime I get some touchy-feely action, Rashad, I'm in this. It's a featherweight bout, this time against Charles Jourdain. Uh It's going to be action-packed, Ooh. and I recently got to uh, pre-watch uh, – Mr. Faber funded a, a weed movie. It was like a weed murder mystery about marijuana. And Touchy Feely had a role in that film. And uh, he was good. This, this, let me tell you, I don't know. I think it's streaming somewhere. If you get a chance to watch Uriah Faber's weed movie, I wish I had that. <laughs> um, go back and listen to the interview we did with him a couple months ago about it. It is one of those movies where the first five minutes you're like, oh, man, this is some low-budget crap. What is Faber doing? And then out of nowhere, it gets real wild and crazy, and there's murders, and there's it's it's legit. I gotta see it. I gotta it's see it. Full ass uh, movie. It's 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 badass. There's yeah. So uh, shout out to that. Anyway, you like this fight, Rashad? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like Touchy Feely. I think Touchy Feely is one of those guys who, you know, he's this close to figuring out, you know, uh, how good he is. You know, what I'm saying he, he's very talented, very smooth, very slick, and. Uh, have a lot of potential. And I noticed that when he fought Michael Johnson, uh, I, you know, I think that 
you know, with a few adjustments in that fight, he, he would have won that fight. So um, he's somebody who I think the ceiling can definitely be high on. And just with the right amount of adjustments, he could be that dude we're talking about in the future. Sorry, there's a technical issue right there. Uh, yeah, he's traded some wins and losses there, but uh, this is an opportunity. I'm not going to lie, Rashad, and, and act like there's great fights on this card after that. All right, the fight card is what it is, but we broke it down for you. Hey, Rashad, I'm just getting news that uh, Invicta FC has announced they're coming back July 2nd. The fight card will take place in Kansas City. Juliana Lima in the main event of this one. Uh, good to see. I guess they're the second major organization, right, after UFC coming back, so good to see that's great to see it's great to see for all those fighters who are looking to um you know have options i also uh did you see the fight they're they're thinking about putting together here for june 27th it would be a fight night card how fun is this main event maniac platinum mike perry against mickey gall give me that oh man give me all of give me all of that and this and this is the type of fight that I want to see Mike Perry in because listen, I love Mike Perry, but he he's 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 fought some guys where he's been fighting above his his level, and and I think that that's great, and I and I love the fact that he's been getting pushed like that. But let my man Mike Perry get some work in. Let him build up a little bit. Let him let him get his confidence back. You know what I'm saying? Let let him get to the position where he can be the Mike Perry that we were seeing before he got his confidence taken a little bit buy some of these big matchups they have new confidence because instagram's telling me that he's not with the platinum princess anymore his coach i see that i see that he's, he's got a whole new hookup mike perry's a man if i'm mickey gall i'm going full pro wrestling and i'm sliding in her dms the old <laughs> happen all right thank you very much if he was a girl you would say he has a donkey dog okay thank you joe um so that's going to be interesting but that's the show for this week special thanks but to bc uh, bc you forgot yeah. one thing what do i got what do i got rashad DC and Steve Pay. DC, Cisse. DC, Steve Pay. Did Daniel Cormier put out a picture of him signing the contract on his phone? Is that what that was? Yeah, yeah. They, they, first, he, he put a picture of him running out saying, let's go. And then the next one was, well, I guess him signing a contract. And I guess they, they're going to do that. Look, not everything has worked during this quarantine, but D-Say, C-Say coming back, that works. I could be fat. I could not have a six-pack, but my dick works. No, works too. My dick works. I've seen him. Yep, that does work too. Uh, Rashad, that's, a, uh, that's great because it's a great fight. It's, it's so historically relevant. We need to figure out that division, get, get Francis you know, in the bullpen to fight the winner. Maybe John comes when the money's back. Yes, give me that. Yes. DC and Steve A. <laughs> yes. Love it. Love it. Rashad, uh, last question here. When will be the next big United States UFC fight card that, like, even you and me might travel to with CBS Sports HQ cameras? I mean, what, how far out is that ish? I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I, I'm hoping sometime next year. I'm hoping sometime next year, but I don't think, I think we're at least a year out from that. Unless UFC does this, how about how about the how about the laws loosen up just a bit? How about the the Corona curve goes down before flu season, and UFC says, "Hey, there's that Raiders Stadium sitting right there," and if Ooh. we pass a law that everybody can enter with a mask, maybe maybe the you know maybe that's just me. Though. Maybe you know, maybe maybe. Anyway, uh, follow him at Sugar Rashad Evans on all the Instagrams. If you 
Twitters. And uh, don't slide into DMs. So it's very... Please stay away from that. We don't need more of that. The black folk love me, man. Black girls love me, too. All of them. But uh, uh, that's the show once again for this week's special thanks to Jessica. I enjoyed the fights this weekend. Rashad, I, I think you got at least two words. Yeah, uh, we out. <laughs>